This podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. Nerd Wallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric, and this is Next Question. Yes, the new year is upon us, and we're winding down this podcast season, which has been a really special one for me, sharing the making of my memoir and some of the most impactful moments from my personal and professional life. But we're not done yet, people. If you didn't get a chance to make it to any of the stops on my book tour, and frankly, even if you did, I have something special. Stand by. Lights check. Audience is in. Okay, Katie, let's get ready. In three, two, we're going there live. Hi! Hi, everyone! Thank you! You guys are so nice to be here, to pay good money to come see me. Thank you so, so much. Hi! Today, I'm sharing some moments from my nine-city whirlwind tour. After going there came out in late October, I went there to talk about my book in person. Here's a little taste. Let's rewind, shall we? To a time long ago and far away. My big break came at WRC, a local station in DC, located right upstairs from the Washington Bureau of. I was proud as a peacock to be part of the NBC family. I had woken up that morning with a healthy husband, our lives stretching out before us. I went to sleep with a husband who had stage four colon cancer and a colostomy bag. As Peter Parker in Spider-Man reminds us, with great power comes great responsibility. And Matt, unfortunately, seriously abused his. After my first broadcast on the CBS Evening News, it was open season on me. My makeup, my hair, the fact that I wore a white jacket after Labor Day. 
What has been a raging success, though, is my merger with Molnar. Yeah. So for all of you who may not believe in second chances, I'm here to tell you it is possible. But I also got to share the stage with some of my very favorite people, like Ina Garten and Jen Garner, Chance the Rapper, and Kim and Brad Paisley. You know what, he's, he's going there, Katie. <laughs> he is. I'm going there, so I just have some. Now, in addition to those celebrity interviews, and more on those in some bonus episodes to come, yeehaw, I also got to sit down with people you may not know but should, many of them who I met along the way. They were at the center of some of the biggest stories of my career. Ordinary people who responded to extraordinary, often traumatic events in inspiring and life-changing ways. On this episode of Next Question, I'm sharing the best moments from those conversations. We'll begin where the tour did, in Boston. I want to give you all a warning. This is our first night of doing this, so... Please, please be gentle, because um, who knows what's going to happen, but I'm so happy you're hearing. My guest was Celeste Corcoran. Celeste was watching her sister Carmen run the Boston Marathon on April 15th, 2013, and was at the proverbial wrong place at the wrong time when one of those bombs exploded. Celeste would lose both her legs. How do you put your life together? How do you not let anger win? How do you find purpose through the pain? How do you go on? Well, I'll tell you, because she is, and she's here tonight. So please welcome Celeste Corcoran and her sister, Carmen Acabo. Celeste came on my talk show back in 2013, just a few months after the bombing. Back then, she walked carefully on ill-fitting prosthetics, but in Boston this past October, she walked across the stage confidently and securely, accompanied by her sister, Carmen. Here's a portion of our conversation. You've come such a long way, I think, since that day when you yes. were on my show. And I, I think we should also mention that your daughter, Sydney, who was 17 at the time, yeah. suffered critical injuries that day as well, had to go through numerous surgeries, and I can't imagine as a mom, you are dealing with your own injuries, and, and yet Sydney had her injuries too, and you all ended up being sharing a hospital room, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, that was just luck that we ended up at the same hospital and everything, and then they put us, when they realized that we were mother and daughter, they put us in the same room. But yeah, to be there, I, I mother everybody, like I've always been like that. And to not be able to, to be in a hospital bed, to have my legs in these casts, and then, and to know that Sydney was so hurting, you know, I would see her crying, um, and I couldn't get up and go to her. And I was, I was always, that's my baby. Of course I'm going to be there. It was, it was overwhelming because it was the two of them, and Celeste really wanted to be her mom, and she really couldn't. Um, I mean, she could and she was. But I think the hardest part about it, it was like, you know, we thought our life, everything was going to be so horrible because Celeste lost her legs. <clears throat> but Sydney was so, so sick. And so that was what was so hard. Like, her, her injuries were much worse than Celeste's, if... You can even imagine that. You had to obviously 
deal with this sort of huge life change. And I don't think we should underestimate how challenging it was because not only physically for you, uh, Celeste, but also just mentally and emotionally, it was really, really tough. There were days where you just wouldn't get out of bed. There's still days like that. <laughs> really? Yeah, I had, um, I've been out of my legs. I'm just kind of, I started almost all over again. I had surgery for my nerve pain. Um, three years ago, maybe? No, it was right, it was um, about three years October ago before of, COVID. Um, 19, yeah. So and um, that was a long recovery and I was out of my legs um, for a long time. I was just in a wheelchair. For, so for the last like, I don't know, three years, I've been more in my chair than in my legs. But, um, but I felt like I needed that to like ground myself or something, you know? Here I am up on these stilts. And before I lost my legs, I used to walk barefoot all the time. I loved to walk barefoot. And I felt like there was some, it's gonna sound goofy, but it, I felt like there was some kind of connection that was lost, you know? Yeah. Like I needed to be like down on the ground. You, I know, were introduced to um, other people who were amputees who had yes. lost their legs. And it, it was sort of helpful, but not that helpful at first. Why was that? Um, some Marines came to see me and um, a lot of military people. So it was a lot of men and a lot of um, single leg amputees that I met with or that you know came to encourage me. And that was fantastic, I needed that, but I was sort of like missing, uh, I don't even know how to say it. Like A like, female connection yeah, really, right? Yeah, that's exactly how to say it. Yeah. And so, and, so um, and, and, and luckily, you got connected with this incredible woman in California yeah. who had lost her, her legs because of frostbite when she was 19 years old. Yep. And you all became best friends. And I feel like that relationship really turned things around, didn't it? It, it really did. We, I met her in New York and um, she was going to an event and she said that we had had numerous conversations on the phone and then she was like, I, I wanna meet. So she was gonna go to the um, function in New York, but she had my number, let me tell you, cause she was like, Celeste, if I fly across the country and show up there, you can't back out. And I so would have, there was no, was uh, New York on a, on a good day, you know? I was just like, New York? I'm not gonna be able to walk, like what? You know, and I was just freaking out. And then this one was like, nope, you going. <laughs> and so that and kind of Jane. gave you, um, you know, uh, uh, it gave you back your fighting spirit in a way, didn't it? It did, because that's how Jamie is. She's very, um, she's just a go-getter and she's just, if I would cry, like say I had to crawl to get into the car or something, like, you know, get out of my wheelchair, get in the back of the car, fold my wheelchair, put it in the car, I would call her and just be like, oh my God, this is, you know, what I have to do. And she was like, yeah, but you can do it. And Good for her. It's, it's so true. And, and now I went from crying because I had to do something a certain way to, yeah, I've got this. It's okay. I got it. I know that you have started to do a lot of advocacy work with an organization called 50 Legs, yes. which, which helps 
people who who need help getting prosthesis, yes. prosthetic. I always have a hard time saying that. I don't help know me. Which way. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Help, we help people get this. Yeah. Those. Yeah. And um, that has that has that helped you too by helping other people? Absolutely. Um, she has really been a help to so many people. Like there are people in the hospital or whatever. And just throughout all of our work with 50 Legs and what has happened to Celeste. Like you know, we've always said from the beginning, with bad comes good. And um, I think that's the over, you know, the overwhelming theme in our life is we always have to say, with bad comes good. And she has. She's helped and so many people. And in my situation, I feel strongly about this. In my situation. I had so many people, I mean, the whole city of Boston was behind all of us, right? Talk about Boston. And people that I've met over the years have car accidents, diabetes, whatever, and lose limbs and don't have any of that support that I had. So I felt very strongly because I had so much help and it helped me so much and I don't know what I would have done without that much help. So every time when I can help somebody, I feel like I'm just paying it forward, you know? And I hope that, and I tell them that if they need somebody else, they have to do it too. Well, you're, you're really a remarkable person and- you, Not. You are. <laughs> you are. No, I just, dealt, I just dealt with a situation that came to me as best as I could, you know? And I didn't choose this, but I'm not done living, so. Watch out. That was Celeste Corcoran and her sister, Carmen Acabo, in Boston. In New York, I got to talk with Lauren Manning. In 2001, Lauren was a Wall Street executive at Cantor Fitzgerald, which was located in the Twin Towers. On September 11th, Lauren was just entering the lobby of the North Tower when the first plane hit, and a fireball from the elevator shaft enveloped her, burning more than 82% of her body. Lauren, who is also a wife and mother of two sons, Tyler and Jagger, had a slim chance of survival. And yet, you will not believe how far she has come since I met her two decades ago. She is a real force of nature. Please welcome the extraordinary Lauren Manning. You know, I wanted, I was so thrilled, Lauren, first of all, that you were willing to come back and, and sort of reconnect with me because you're such an amazing person. It's such a inspiration to me still to this day. And I wanted to ask you just about this whole healing process because obviously we just passed the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Um, do, you, do you have any residual effects from the injuries that you sustained that day? Uh, completely so. My life on a daily basis is lived through a different prism of what happened to me and every aspect of it is compromised from the way any limb works um, to the way my voice works, learning how to walk again and speak again and to really live again is all a study in uh, an ongoing series of pain. Um, only punctuated by sometimes uh, the blessings that I have in life of a husband 
and children who are even more painful in certain <laughs> moments. You know, Lauren, you were, you were a badass before this happened, and I'm curious if you're kind of tough, you're such a determined woman. I mean, when I met you at that rehab center, you, I just couldn't believe how focused you were on getting better. Do you think your personality type really contributed to your healing and your, your singular focus on that? I think so. Certainly, you know, we all come from a different place in a sense. But uh, my family and my, my upbringing and uh, also uh, being in a business that was dominated by men who were all wonderful in so many ways, but highly misogynistic and many others, really difficult to make the grade and to get paid what you should. And it, it created within me a thesis along with um, my family's service through the years. Uh, in the armed services back to the Revolutionary War that I um, was there in 93 when the first trade center uh, terrorist attack occurred and I knew in a sense and believed as many of us did they would come back and when I looked up and knew that most of my friends and colleagues were certainly gone I had this chance and uh, I was not going to squander one minute of it. And, and so many people from Cantor Fitzgerald died that day. It was over 600, right, Lauren? 658. That's just so hard to believe. Meanwhile, you and, you and Greg, and your husband is such a sweetheart. Please give him my best. You had another son um, after this. You have a son named Jagger. So Tyler is now 21, and Jagger is now 11. Is that right? No, we just turned 12. Ty, yeah, Tyler just turned 21, and he's at Jay's alma mater, the wonderful Trinity College. And yeah, Jagger, John Molnar's alma mater, <laughs> Trinity College in Hartford. Yeah. And uh, Jagger turned 12, and uh, I don't know how many of you have children, but 12 is like 15, and I've never <laughs> been so wrong in my life. I, uh, this was a reprieve to be here to this evening. Happy to say goodbye to my young boss. <laughs> um, I am just so happy to see you. How, so life today, you have the challenges of having an adolescent son, but and you're, you're, you're also still this tough businesswoman. I'm so proud of you. You've got a startup. You're working you know, really hard on that. So things are, things are good. How would you describe your life today? I mean, they, they are what they are, I think, for most of us. They're wonderful days and challenging days, but the, the blessing of uh, having the moment to prevail over the fears of failure, which were very easy to let go after 9-11, has um, really given me an opportunity to be in a space of doing what I need to do in terms of supporting things like Sanctuary for Families and iPads for Soldiers and helping wounded and injured soldiers and starting a startup based on social commerce and the nexus of privacy for consumers and allowing us all to get paid for it. So that's a long-winded answer, but... Uh, well, it sounds like your life is very full and rich and purposeful. It is purposeful, yes, uh, if not always divinely well choreographed. <laughs> I'm trying to get from here to there. And you have been certainly someone I've always looked to as uh, a woman that has led the way for so many of us. I feel so blessed and privileged that I got to meet you, Lauren. 
and I'm so proud of everything you've accomplished and all that you've become uh, despite everything that you face. So thank you for coming back and, and being here with us tonight. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Lauren Manning, everyone. We'll be back with more highlights from my book tour right after this. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side -side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. At each city I traveled to for my book tour, I reconnected with some of the people I've met during my career who have left a lasting impression. People like Tom and Pam Bosley, who I got to know through a documentary I produced in 2016 called Under the Gun. The Bosleys have worked tirelessly to reduce the amount of gun violence, not only here in Chicago, but all across the country. They've joined forces with other families and are a real example to me of turning their tragedy into action. I just love them so much. So please welcome Tom and Pam Bosley. Tom and Pam lost their oldest son, Terrell, to gun violence in 2006. He was just a 19-year-old kid on his way to band practice at his local church. His murder remains unsolved to this day. You know, it's been 15 years yes. since you lost Terrell, and he would be 33 years old today, which is so hard to believe. And you all did everything right. You kept him busy. You kept him involved in sports and extracurricular activities. It just mm -hmm. broke my heart to see him on those videos. I'm sure it's just crushing for you all. But um, what, you know, when you think about Terrell today, what do you think about, Tom? What, well, probably by now we would be grandparents, hopefully. And, uh, you know, we just miss everything about him, the music, the personality. And, you know, a lot of his friends have, are now, they're grown and they're married with kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we see them, we flash back a little bit. You have two other sons, yes. Trey and Therese, mm -hmm. I know. 
Tell us how they're doing. Actually, Trey, well, I'm gonna start with Therese. <laughs> Therese is my middle son, so that's the one nobody never sees, uh, but he's my one that keeps me encouraged. Um, he was actually closer to Terrell, so he, he the one that'd be like, Mom, you got this. Um, and he, he's always in the background, but Trey is my, uh, my rock. My, he's my baby, but he's an activist, he's outspoken. Uh, he's the one that, more like me, you know, as far as coming out talking about Terrell's story. So his goal is, he's an activist, and his goal is to um, reduce gun violence. And I know that when you lost Terrell, you felt so alone, and, and, and there was nobody to really talk to about what you all were going through, and that was the impetus for you to start this incredible organization called Purpose Over Pain. Yes. Tell us did. about that. We did. That first year when um, my life, when Terrell, our life was destroyed uh, because Terrell's life was taken. I tried to take my life twice, um, so I didn't have nobody to turn to. And what I, myself, um, Annette Holt, she's Blair's, the mom of Blair Holt, who was killed on the bus. And so more of us, we came together and we started Purpose Over Pain because we knew God had a purpose for our life. So what we started doing was supporting other parents like us um, because we didn't, you know, actually throughout the years, we've been meeting people who, who didn't make it, you know, because of this. So we support parents by doing events like uh, this, Christmas coming up, it's a hard time for us. So we actually put together a sneakers ball. Yeah, um, we do different things to support them and we advocate for common sense gun measures. Uh, we mentor young people. So we just try to stay busy helping each other and we try to get our cases solved because in the city of Chicago, over 80% of the cases remain unsolved. Mm -hmm. So we walk the streets and we try to solve our cases. So we unite together to help each other and just to support each other. And you all get phone calls, I mean, at all hours of the night from grieving parents. Yes. yes. Which must be so difficult, Tom. It's tough because it never stops. Um, you know, you, you hear about some cases in the news, and, but then you, we get the ones you don't hear about in the news. And, and every time you get that call, it takes you back to the day that you got that call. You know, so you're constantly reliving it. So at times it's difficult, but uh, the, the, the joy you get, if there's a joy, is that you're helping a parent get through this process as best you possibly can so that, you know, um, they can keep the memory of their kid alive and we can bond together and, and hopefully make a difference. And just and have support, uh, right? Exactly, because it's, it's, we get like four to five phone calls a week. Actually, I have the number in my pocket, I brought it with me um, because we really need to always say these numbers. Um, year to date here in Chicago, we had 3,978 people shot and 688 people dead. And nobody really talked about it. And in November, just, we, you know, we just started November, we had 52 people shot and we have 12 dead. And these are the phone calls we get every single day. We're getting four to five calls a week. Um, trying to help bury children, and that's what Purpose Over Pain do. We make donations to burying our children because um, some people don't have insurance, they don't have anything, so they 
you know, want to cremate their children because they don't have money to bury them. So um, we we there for them. We we support them all kinds of ways. Why why hasn't it gotten better? Um, you know the statistics in Chicago are worse than ever, and I know that the governor has been very supportive and is channeling a lot of money. What two hundred fifty million dollars? Two hundred fifty million dollars to 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 address some of the systemic issues that mm -hmm. are creating these problems. But you know, it, how do you? How do you explain that it's it's worse than ever? You know, I was I was speaking earlier. It's a will issue, in my opinion. Um, just like the pandemic, you know, if you can bring resources together to come up with a cure uh, for a vaccine, you can do the same thing for the pandemic of gun violence. But there is a will. There's a lack of a will to uh, to do that. Well, I know one thing that gives you hope is your son Trey has become an activist as well. And he gave a speech um, at the, the 2018 March for Our Lives event. I was actually there wow. in Washington, wow. D.C. Yeah. Yeah. Let's show Trey in action. It's time to care about all communities equally. It's time to stop judging some communities as worthy and some communities as unworthy. It's time to stop judging youth that look like me or my brother at, that come from impoverished communities any different than anyone else. It's time for America to notice that everyday shootings are everyday problems. I'll close with this quote by Martin Luther King Jr. which said, we must accept finite disappointment but never lose infinite hope. I said this to say, no matter the hurdles we may face along this journey, we must remain hopeful and we must continue to stand together and fight for the lives that we deserve. Thank you. That's awesome. Yes, yes, I know yes. you're very proud of him, aren't you? Yes, yes we are. Yes, well, yes. I, I'm so grateful that you both came to, to actually see me mm -hmm. and to share your story with everybody in the audience. Thank you for everything you're doing. And let's not let four years pass exactly. before yeah, I get yeah. to visit with you all again. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so Pam much. and Tom Bosley, you, everyone. Meanwhile, in Atlanta, I met up with Amy Copeland. In 2012, a zip lining accident resulted in a gash in Amy's leg that required 22 staples. The wound was infected by a flesh-eating bacteria that's incredibly rare, but also incredibly deadly. It cut off her blood flow and five of Amy's organs shut down completely. She was on life support for several days. To save her, doctors had to amputate both of her hands, her left leg, and most of her right. She was 24 years old. The last time I got to talk to Amy was back in 2012, just a few months after her injury. So much has changed since then. Well, let's talk about sort of what's been going on with you physically, because I know you still do occupational therapy, what, twice a week still. Tell us a little bit about the healing, because you continue to work and, and to make sure that you're as, as independent as you possibly can. Tell us what that involves. Yeah, so physically, I'm a swimmer, so I swim. I woke up and swam a mile this morning. Wow. And I'm also a registered yoga teacher, so I also practice yoga on a daily basis. And I work out with weights because having a disability, one of the most important things is that I'm fit and I'm able Look, to move around. Look, I know, uh, you, you are a beast in the gym, Amy. That's awesome. Do you work out every single day? 
about five or six days a week. I try to give myself, you know, even God rested for a day. Yeah. <laughs> and, and how important, that must be incredibly important for you to make sure that you're as strong as you possibly can be, right? Especially shoulder strength to prevent injuries. I use my shoulders and compensate with my shoulders for a lot of movements. So being able to keep that strength is really important to protect my body. So let's talk about what you're doing. First of all, tell everyone what you got your two master's degrees in, show mm -hmm. off, um, and, and what you're doing with those degrees, because it's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so first master's degree in psychology, second in social work. I'm now a licensed clinical social worker in Georgia and in Arizona. And I run my own counseling group. So I have about eight therapists who I direct and consult with. And we create affordable mental health opportunities for people in Atlanta who may not have health insurance coverage. So with fees as low as $35. And then I also run a nonprofit organization. Which so is I'm so the CEO cool. of Amy Copeland Foundation. Yeah, well. so tell everyone what the Amy Copeland Foundation does because I think it's so awesome what you're trying to do. And we also want to tell these nice people that you're still fundraising for it. So explain what it is. Yeah. So our mission at Amy Copeland Foundation is to bridge the gap between nature and accessibility particularly for people who are in wheelchairs. One thing I realized waking up with a disability is I didn't have the same freedom I used to to be in nature, and that was what I studied. After a while, I realized people in wheelchairs really needed that most. So we're doing that in two ways. One is by creating accessible workshop retreats. So we go to beautiful places in nature, and people can come out and learn pain management and self-regulation techniques for improving mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. In addition to that, we just started our All-Terrain Georgia program, which actually allows people in wheelchairs to visit their own community parks anytime they want with their family and friends. Which is so great, and I know that these wheelchairs are expensive, and so you wanna make sure that you get them, and make them accessible for people who need them all across the state of Georgia and all, all state parks, right? That's right, and right now, we actually are doing our ribbon cutting next Monday for the first 10 chairs, um, which will be housed at 10 state parks within about an hour or two of Metro Atlanta, and those will be available for free rental by people with disabilities starting in April. This is the first program of its kind in the United States, but I've already gotten uh, interest from North Carolina, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, oh, that's who great. all want to start programs there. So and we're going national! That is so great. I was going to ask you if you wanted to replicate it in other states across the country. And you know, I know that you that you do ecotherapy. So does that mean sort of the idea of healing out in nature? And that's why you have these workshops where you bring folks who kind of you believe in, in that kind of healing and the, the power of nature to help people, right? That's right. Yeah, I studied eco-psychology, and what we learned there is that we're from the earth, we're related to the earth, we are a part of the earth. And so being pulled out of nature and being really sedentary and indoors can create a lot of secondary issues for people who already have physical disabilities. So the idea that it is only natural for us to be in nature and there's all sorts of impacts it has on the human psyche. I know that um, you you struck me, even, I mean, even when I met you all those years ago, four months after you were dealing with everything, 
you are an incredibly positive person, but you also deal with some challenges and there have been dark days for you too, Amy. And, and how have you gotten through that? I know that you're a big believer in kind of seizing on those, those tough emotions and letting that happen. And you have an interesting story about falling down and just kind of literally mentally and physically collapsing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was right after, actually, I got the van on your TV show. Yeah. I got donated my wheelchair accessible van and I would drive down to Valdosta and the very first time I ever went down there, they brought me this tiny little shower bench to use and it was my first time showering outside my house. And as soon as I reached for the shampoo, I slipped right off and I was all alone. So I reached for the grab bar. That's what those are there for, right? My arm slipped in between the grab bar and the wall and I'm sitting on the floor of the shower with my arm twisted behind me. And y'all, I just started screaming and crying and it was amazing what happened after my 20 minute temper tantrum. Nothing. <laughs> I was still sitting on the floor of the shower with my arm twisted in the grab bar, but I felt a lot better and it was kind of in that moment that I realized life is this whole wave of emotion and we have to experience all of it. And once all the emotion came out of me, I saw the conditioner there and I've learned being in a wheelchair, you can MacGyver anything with <laughs> duct tape or WD-40. And that conditioner might as well have been WD-40 because I was then able to squirt it on my arm and wriggle free. But I truly believe that it was experiencing all of it that allowed me to have the clarity. So that's kind of how I deal with it, by inviting in whatever experiences I have without judgment and letting them move, because when they get trapped, that's when they turn into something else. That's a good life lesson, I think, for everyone, yeah. right? Yeah. To let to, to let it go and to feel the pain so you can move on. And I know meditation has helped you enormously with pain management as well, right, Amy? That's right. And you know, meditation is really about witnessing our experience without judgment, just seeing what is and breathing through it and being with it. And so that's how I've managed to control my pain is actually through relaxing. Usually when we experience pain, we tense against it. We try to get away from it. And that creates a more painful experience, typically, than the initial stimulus. So what I've learned is that through relaxing, it eases the pain. And I can welcome and breathe through anything, which means I'm really not scared of very much anymore. Because I can breathe through it. <laughs> You're amazing. And, 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 and getting to a high point, you got married last year. I'm so happy for you. So um, tell me a little bit about your husband, how you met. I know he's shy and kind of introverted. I wanted him to come tonight, but he told Amy, go do your thing, I'll be waiting at home. But he's a teacher, tell me about yes, it. Yes, he's a ninth grade teacher. So teacher, social worker, we get along real well. We have great communication, y'all, great <laughs> communication. He would be rolling his eyes right now if he was here because <laughs> 
he would say I over communicate, but that's another story. <laughs> um, but yeah, we met after my injury. Um, the relationship I was in at the time did not make it through that trauma, which was one of the most heartbreaking parts of it for me. But I got back into the dating world in a wheelchair and all, and online, mind you. Very interesting experiences were had, but <laughs> luckily I met this one and he saved me from all of that. Um, it turned out we had about 50 mutual friends on social media when we met, so he actually went to the same school I did, so we had an instant recognition and connection. And I'm yeah. so happy for you. What's his name? Steven. Steven. Mm -hmm. Well, tell Steven we're so happy for him and for Aww. you. And before, before you leave, I, I, you once wrote about your accident and your life, and you said if you had to do it all over again, you wouldn't change a thing. And that, to me, is quite a miraculous statement, Amy Copeland. Why, tell me, how were you able to say that and why are you able to think that? Well, Stephen, <laughs> yeah. one, but also, I've always had this much energy, Katie, and now I get invited here to talk to you and to share this message with all these beautiful people and to start a program, the first of its kind. This is really exciting for me to be able to make this impact and for me, this is the reason, this is the meaning that this happened to me. And for that, I will be forever grateful. Well, you're my hero, Amy Copeland, <laughs> honestly. Thank you for coming, thank you. I mean, come on. When we come back, the story of one of the most remarkable women I have ever met. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side -side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work. One of my last stops was to the Golden City, San Francisco. Uh, the fog made things a little tricky for us to get here, but we got here and we made it, thank God. The Bay Area is home to one Ms. Oral Lee Brown. For more than two decades, the Oral Lee Brown Foundation has been paying for kids who are living in some of Oakland's toughest neighborhoods to go to college. It all started on a whim 
after Earl met a little girl who asked for change outside a corner store. It was at that moment that Earl realized the kids in these neighborhoods were in trouble and college was their way out. So in 1987, she adopted a class of 23 first graders and she made a promise to them that if they graduated from high school, she would pay for each and every one of them to go to college. Now, Oral wasn't some millionaire. She was a real estate agent who grew up picking cotton in Mississippi. But Oral kept that promise, and she didn't stop there. How cool is Oral Lee Brown? So, I'm super excited because Oral Lee is back. And please welcome her to the stage, Miss Oralee Brown. So um, you adopted that first class of, of first graders, 30, 23 kids, yes. 34 years ago. Yes. And since then, you, Oralee Brown, has, have sent 122 kids to college. Well, me and God, God more than me. You and God. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, you are just one of the most extraordinary people I've ever met in my whole career, Oralee. Really? Really. <laughs> so I want, I want people to learn a little more about you, Oralee. Tell us about your childhood, because that makes your story even more phenomenal. Well, good evening. Um, <laughs> I was probably born in the worst state in the Union, and that was Mississippi. And I started working at the age of eight. My father had a saying is that if you ate, you contributed to the food. So if you ate it, you had to help bring it in, or take care of it, or pick it, or chop it, or what have you. So at the age of eight, my mother started me cooking. Uh, I was too little at the time to know what a worm was. So she would take and pick the greens, but everything else, homemade cakes at the age of eight, I was baking them. And I was standing in the cotton field and I would just tell God, please get me out of here. I will do whatever. And you were one of 12 children. One of 12 kids, the babysitter, a little before my 12th birthday, uh, my mother sent me to stay with my sister because she had eight kids. And so kids was the least thing on my mind. And so when you make a promise to God, sometimes he will make sure that you keep it. Because see, my promise was, Lord, get me away from Mississippi. I'll do whatever, you know? <laughs> and so from babysitting to adopting 23 students. And at the time, I'm making $45,000 a year. So I was crazy. You were cra and and, and yeah. you got so you started before you started this foundation. You were doing it on your own, orally. You were putting money away every single month. You learned to do that. You were investing it, and by the time those first graders graduated, you paid for 19 kids to go to college. How in the world did you do that? You're like an investment genius. Uh, <laughs> no. When God is multiplying it, it will go a long ways. And you're right, by the time they graduated, out of my $45,000 each year, I was able to save $10,000, still paid my tithes, and still paid my obligation. And one of my friends said to me one day, Ora, how do you do it? And I reminded her that I lived at one time off of $2 a day. 
Let me repeat that, $2 a day. And so living off of 2000 a day, then $45,000, I was a millionaire in some sense. <laughs> what would these kids have done without you, Oralee? I was thinking about that, all these kids that you have helped, because they were from tough circumstances, weren't they? Oh, yeah. Um, at that time, there was at least four or five young people killed in Oakland every week. You could go to the film home, and it's almost like a repeat now with the COVID. But the COVID was a disease. The killing was manifest right there in East Oakland, and it was no way out. And the kids would tell me, and so many of them said, Mama Brown, if it was not for you, I would be dead. And I would say, baby, don't say that. No, Mom, it's the truth. And so I think we all have an obligation to do, and once again, a child, a kid, not me, not me. But see, God said, oh yes, you made me a promise. Get you out and you will do. He got me out of Mississippi and I did. <laughs> and you know, you stay in touch with some of these kids. I mean, after all, the first group would have graduated 20 years ago. So do you keep in touch with them? And, and do you see them out in the world thriving? And, and that must give you so much satisfaction. It does, and not only do I stay in touch with them, they stay in touch with me. They, they remind me, you know, Mom, you gotta be there for my wedding. You gotta be there for when I have my first baby. No, Mama Brown is getting old. No, Mom, you gotta be there, so no. <laughs> they are family. We are a family, and I think the success probably come from some of that because one of the things I've tried to do is always send at least two kids to college together. Their success rate doubles and maybe even triples. Because they're when, supporting That's each right. Other. When one want to leave, the other, no, no, just stay to the semester. And then let's see what happens. And so it works out. So no, they, uh, they're on their way. They are on their way. I wish that was some of them. <laughs> you know, when I um, interviewed you on the Today Show back in 2002, I surprised you yeah. with a couple of your students. And one of them is Jeffrey Tony. Right. And I'm super excited because Jeffrey is also here tonight and he was one of the first graduates so Jeffrey come out and tell us how you're doing <laughs> come closer Jeffrey <laughs> hey, I mean it's so thank you for first of all it's great to see you again Hello, yes. almost gosh 20 years, 20 years later. Yeah. how insane is that yeah. you're one of the first of the graduating students that that Ms. Brown supported and, and sent to college. So tell us a little bit about your journey, where you went and how you're doing now and what you're doing now. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, this lady sitting to the right of me, I consider her uh, a real life angel. She saved my life. Uh, I grew up in Oakland. Poverty, single parent home, drugs, what, you name it, violence. You're seeing things you shouldn't see at a young age and uh, you don't really have dreams and hopes, but this lady came and, and made a promise to adopt an entire first grade class because of an experience that she had and it saved my life. I, I, in 1999, I graduated uh, Castlemont High School and I attended Columbia College in Chicago and I studied business management, so. That is awesome. 
You know, um, a lot of people through the years have asked you, Jeffrey, where would you be without Oral Lee Brown? And what do you tell them? Dead or in jail. Dead or in yeah. jail. She saved my life. Like, literally, the, the things that I was engaged in in high school, I could have easily died, could have easily went to jail, but I was out hustling because I was homeless at 16. So I was out trying to feed myself and just survive. And that opportunity came and I ran with it, jumped on that plane, went to Chicago, and here I am. And tell us what you're doing today and how you're doing and... Uh, all is well, of, of course, because of Corona, things is a little shaky, um, but I've turned all of my uh, passions and hobbies into revenue streams. So things that I enjoy doing, like graphic design, um, I have a recording studio, I uh, fly drones, so I do a lot of video work. Uh, I just released a poem book uh, called Poetry Hidden Behind the Heart. It's on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> you can check that out. And, and uh, still doing music. I just got a song picked up from um, a sitcom called All American. And they picked up one of my songs. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. And look, yeah. Oral Lee is very proud of you. Yeah. And and I know that, that you have a foundation now, and you've got a whole team that helps you out because um, you're 78 now? Six. 76, sorry, Morley. But I know that you want to continue this legacy, and you want to pay it forward, hand this off, so someone picks up whenever you decide that you need to take a break. Um, so how are you doing that? You know, Katie, honestly, the only thing that can help some student is to be there 24 hours a day. And a mother and a father, no matter how good you are, you cannot do it. And so my goal is to have a boarding school. I have met with uh, some individuals that almost agree with me. Uh, there's one boarding school in Piney Wood, Mississippi another one in Chicago, and then Marva Collins in, in, in um, Cincinnati. And so it's the way to free them. You know, with a boarding school, they are there 24-7, so you know they're going to get the nutrition, they're going to get the food. Half of the kids fail because they're not in school. But with a boarding school, there's no truancy. If you're not in the classroom, then Mama Brown is going to be up in the dorm or someone that looked like me. <laughs> and both of us cannot stay in no dorm between 8 and 3. So, you know, we just can't do it. So someone have to leave, and it's not going to be me. And so, <laughs> you know, I think that once we get the boarding school up and running, we will be able to save at least four or five students per year right in the Bay Area because the need is there. And, and where do you get your huge heart, I mean, to, to sacrifice so much and to give so much to kids who have so little. I guess the one thing that always come to my mind, we was in Mississippi, and my mother, just like I said, she would pick the greens, because I'm eight years old, I don't know what a worm is. I mean, I know, but I don't know if you're supposed to be in the pot or you're supposed to be down on the floor, you know? Maybe the meat for the greens, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and my mother had put the meat in the pot to cook the greens. And one of the neighbors came down to my mother's house and wanted to know if she had some salt pork meat. Her mother was cooking greens. 
And I'm looking at my mother put the sour pork meat in the pot, so I know it's no more. And so I'm waiting for her to say, no. My mother takes the pot off the stove, take the piece of sour pork meat out, cut it in half, put one piece back in the pot, and give the other to sister, take the Miss Bessemé. And I said, Mama, that was our meat. She said, still ours, the ones in the pot, and the one that I gave the sis is going to Miss Bessemé. And so if you can share a piece of salt pork meat, God knows I can give away half of what I have. Yeah. Orly and Jeffrey, I'm so happy to see you. I'm more happy to see you, Kay. You know I love you. I love you. <laughs> well. She really does. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I well, talk about my Katie. Right my back Katie. at you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And if people want to help and support the work you're doing, how can they do that? It's the Orly, Orly Brown Foundation.org. And the phone number is 510-430-3041. Just go on the website and look at Early Brown. They tell me there's 18 pages of literature and students and, you know, all the information is there. Well, thank you for everything yeah. you've done. Yeah. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you all so much. Love you. That was Oral Lee Brown. We'll have links to all the organizations we've mentioned in this podcast in the episode description. And if you're able or in the giving mood this holiday season, I hope you'll consider donating to their very worthy causes. A huge thank you to Celeste Corcoran, Lauren Manning, Tom and Pam Bosley, Amy Copeland, Oral Lee Brown, and all of the people I got to talk to on my tour. And actually, there's more of the tour to share. This may be the last episode of the season, but keep your ear to the podcast because over the break, we'll be releasing a few bonus episodes featuring some really fun and famous friends who joined me on my book tour. Next question is taking a little hiatus, but we'll be back with a whole new season, new guests, new hot topics in early 2022. Meanwhile, happy holidays to you and yours from all of us at KCM. Next Question with Katie Couric is a production of iHeartMedia and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are me, Katie Couric, and Courtney Litz. The supervising producer is Lauren Hansen, associate producers Derek Clements and Adriana Fazio. The show is edited and mixed by Derek Clements. For more information about today's episode or to sign up for my morning newsletter, Wake Up Call, go to katiecouric.com. You can also find me at Katie Couric on Instagram and all my social media channels. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network.